Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke's Wrestling Podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. Superior quality in sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster, Zencaster.com, that's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, for all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication, Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Brothers, sisters, extraterrestrials. Anything else that I left out there? Pets. How about that? Pets. (laughs) Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. Hope everyone is doing fantastic out there. We have a, a huge snowstorm that is bearing down on us here in sunny Boston, Massachusetts. So we're going to get anywhere from one foot of snow all the way up to 30 inches of snow. That is a pretty big range. So as you can imagine, it's going to be an interesting weekend coming up here. So I decided, you know what, let me do a long form episode. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people out there who different parts of the country dealing with some tough weather or maybe traveling or what have you and need something good to listen to. So let me go long form this week and have some fun with it. So I have some great guests. You know, later in the show, we're going to close with our man, Kazi. Okay, this is our Lithuanian brother, Kazi, who has a tremendous story to tell. He's a guy who is an actor. He is a film director, writer, and just someone that's really, really interesting. I can't wait for you to hear that. He actually has some boxing experience as well. Um Really cool guy. So that, we're going to end the show with a conversation with Kazi. A little something different there because you know the Duke. I love to be a little different. But before that, I got a great conversation with Stephanie Hardy, who is literally like a, a Swiss Army knife. You know, she is your favorite uh, southern cousin from Alabama. Uh, she is sweet as pie, but if you get on her bad side, God only knows what she'll do to you. So. <laughs> In a minute, I'm going to get right to that. But before I do, I just want to remind everybody, iron your shirt, pull up your skinny jeans, put down the flavored malt beverage. It's 2022. This is all about top shelf, top shelf conversation, top shelf presentation, top shelf attitudes. Okay, 
Some of you, some of you young folk out there, you, you, you're getting a little too big in your britches. Like uh, Jay Bougie and his crew, I, I think I'm going to have these guys on next week to have a conversation because they've been talking crazy to members of Shane Taylor Promotions, including the Reverend Ron Hunt. We can't do that. Okay, we can't do that. Uh, that that's not top shelf. That's flavored malt beverage. That's skinny jeans and, and Crocs. That's not Timberland boots, baggy pants. It certainly isn't uh, slacks with a belt on. So we got to get to the bottom of that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm putting out the gauntlet out there. I'm, I'm giving the invitation. Our man there, Jay Bougie, come on the show next week and let's talk about this. But be careful with STP. Those are grown folk. Okay. Top shelf. None of that flavored malt beverage stuff. Okay, these guys are single malt scotch, so you kind of you going in the wrong direction there, bougie. Just you know, Duke's going to tell you what the way it is, brother. That's the way it is. Okay, with that said, let's move on to our conversation with the one, the only Stephanie Hardy. Yeah, so my name is Stephanie Hardy. Um, <laughs> I am the host and creator of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, um, a chill, positive, and passionate um, wrestling show where I talk about different stories um, of wrestlers with news, interviews, and um, recaps. And I'm also a co-host of Women's Wrestling Talk on Fight TV and other platforms. And I'm a commentator for the Belladonna Division. And I am a person who seeks to speak truth to power in everything that I do. The Belladonna Division, what is that? And what is your connection to that? Okay, so the Belladonna Division is an all-female wrestling promotion um, based in Gadsden, Alabama, which is two hours away from me where I'm from in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, And it was founded by Casey Dillon, who um, is an accomplished wrestler in her own right, and Veronica Fairchild, who is an accomplished wrestler um, as well in the South. And they decided to start this wrestling promotion, um, which was an offset of another wrestling promotion um here called spartan wrestling and they decided to make an all-female show and i'm the commentator for that um as of last year and it's really great because we've had three events um in the 300 arena in gadsden and we've had probably the best women's wrestling that you've ever seen we've had the likes of amber rodriguez on our show we've had the likes of um jordan grace and renee michelle on our shows and recently we've had evil lease on our show and uh, we crowned a new forbidden elegance champion in the golden one cassandra golden who was featured on impact and AEW dark so it's just lots of great things going on over there. And like I said, I'm the commentator um, for it alongside the funeral director, Scott Resner. Um, and it's just been really great to be a part of. It's growing and it's beautiful. And we just started streaming on Fight TV yesterday. So if you're subscribed to that, you can check us out there as well. So it's great. And shout out to Amber Rodriguez, a friend of the show and, and someone that I'm a big fan of there. Um, that's that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. I wonder about something, uh, Steph, because I've personally, I got to go all the way back to high school when I was a commentator for our basketball team. Um, you know, I played football, played baseball, but during the basketball season, I just commentated. And that was a challenge in and of itself. When we talk about pro wrestling, it's its own world. 
You know, it's not like any other uh, regular sport and what have you here. What's been the, the most challenging aspect of actually going from watching pro wrestling, analyzing pro wrestling, like with the, the various uh, podcasting that you do? What's been the biggest challenge with commentating pro wrestling? That's a good question. The biggest challenge of commentating pro wrestling is you're watching it partly from a fan perspective, but you have to do it a little bit more critically. That is, if you're doing play by play, um, you're sort of having to tell people what's going on from a critical and athletic perspective and going more in towards the background um, athletically of the wrestlers. And then you're also adding a little bit of color into it as well, which is mostly what I do. Um, so a lot of it is just sort of almost the difficult part about it is sort of combining the critical part with opening your up, opening yourself up as a person to an audience of people who you don't even know. It's like you're having to tell people, oh yeah, I'm this really funny, silly person that can poke fun at my partner and also tell you what's going on in the ring and what the motivations are of each athlete um, while also showing you who I am as a person. So I feel like all of it is just, it's that all of it all of that can be really difficult but once you get used to it and once you of course practice your craft a whole lot more it becomes less and less difficult if that answers your question because i know that was pretty long but yeah <laughs> no listen we this is duke loves wrestling we are a long form answer type of type of show here i, I want to get that complete thought and i appreciate you providing it i wonder about something though because you did mention folks like jordan grace mm -hmm. and you know jordan grace she's interesting because yeah. she can lift all of the heavy stuff in the world. In fact, I think that if we were to do an update of Atlas, it may, in fact, be Jordan Grace holding uh, the the world, Earth, uh, instead of, you know, the, the guy who has smaller muscles than she does. So I'm, I'm very concerned about being critical about Jordan Grace when Jordan Grace is actually in the room. That's not something that I would ever do because she could probably crush me with her pinky. So so are you concerned at all that if you give honest critiques about uh, what you see out there, are you concerned that some of the wrestlers, including Jordan Grace, may you know take it to heart and may want to stretch you? <laughs> um, no, not exactly, because something, um, if I'm allowed to sort of, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit, Something that I do try to do most of the time whenever, well, all the time, whenever I'm preparing for a show, I just try to get as much information on them as possible that's accurate. And whenever the match is going on, you know, I try my best to still, you know, which also goes back to my podcast, too. It's like I try my best to see something that is going on with them in the ring as they're in action while also still not taking away any form of them looking as strong as they can possibly look. It's like, I feel I come from the mindset that you can say that something is, you know, isn't exactly as perfect without choosing to sort of downgrade them to the point to where they would want to take it to heart. So that's something that that's an approach that I try to use, you know, in, inside of wrestling all the time. It's like you can set, you can give constructive criticism without being detrimental to the person. So that's something that I try to do, you know, with 
my with my wrestling and with my commentary as well so I'm not ever truly concerned that someone like Jordan would want to you know bend me backwards if they did hear something um so yeah that's just what I try to do you know one time I think I might have uh inadvertently pissed her off because Deanna Perrazzo showed up in Impact Wrestling mm -hmm. and you know she was she was getting in Jordan Grace's face which I didn't like so I pointed out that Deanna Perrazzo had a lot of nerve and the, the biggest defense that Perrazzo made was being taller than Jordan Grace. I thought that was a little insulting because how dare you do that? And, you know, Jordan was she didn't seem to, to appreciate me pointing that out. I mean, I thought it was obvious, but then I, that's it's one of those moments when you realize, man, here I am providing analysis and being critical of something. And, you know, she probably would have body slammed me if I was anywhere near her. And I said that. Um, so, you know, I, I tip my hat to you, Stephanie. You're, you're a brave person, something that I am not. I don't know if that's the Alabama in you. And since I'm just one of these Yankees up in Boston, that might have something to do with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People, you know, people w won't try to uh, mess with you because I know, you know, Alabama, you folks are, are used to uh, getting it done down there. So, you know. So I'll just I'll leave it at that and move on. But Jordan Grace, I was not trying to uh, be a jerk. I was just pointing out the fact that Deanna Perrazzo being taller than you was not acceptable. Um, okay, so we'll move on. Women's wrestling talk. Now mm -hmm. this is a, this is an interesting show here, and I have a history with this show because I'm actually subscribed on Spotify, and you know through the years I've paid attention to the show. And in fact, my friend Sarah the Rebel. She's my friend. I, well, excuse me. I call her my friend, but I don't think she would say that um, I'm one of her friends. I think mm -hmm. she's another one that wants to beat me up. But I remember when she was part <laughs> of the show and, and I continue to listen. Uh, TK, TK Trinidad, who has a big crush on Big E. I'm not sure if you knew this, Stephanie, but you know now. Mm -hmm. um, I think that in TK Trinidad's world, her and Big E are, are technically married, but they're just not revealing it to everybody because they don't want people in their business. Um, but I wonder about something because on that show, there's a lot of talk about pets, especially cats. So are you part of like the cat lady family here or are you on the outskirts? I'm on the outskirts because I myself, I don't have any pets. Um, I love animals. Um, I definitely love. I'm more of a dog person, though. Um, but there is a lot of action with pets going on because you have Emily Mae Heller who has her cat and there is a lot of cat action, a lot of dog action because we actually do have a show called Pro Wrestling Pets where Emily, you know, talks to wrestlers about, you know, their wrestling life, but then also talks to them about their pet life. And I think that's a really cool um, thing to do because there are a lot of wrestlers who love animals and actually do seek out, you know, animal rights and stuff like that. So I really do enjoy that part of, of women's wrestling talk because it's just, you're tapping into a market that is just absolutely there because people love animals, you know, so I really do love that. But as for me, I don't have a pet, but hopefully one day I can, you know, um, adopt a dog or just or be able to love a dog because I do love dogs. I love corgis. Um, those are my favorite. I'm learning. So hopefully one day I can have a corgi. <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool. And, and, you know, that pro wrestling pets show is is a complete spinoff of going literally months and months and months of every single guest that was on uh, women's wrestling talk had a pet. And more often than not, it was a cat. 
and the beginning of each episode would just be all this cat talk. And it was the most interesting thing because it's like, well, <laughs> is this a wrestling show or is this a cat show? But I found <laughs> it, I actually found it really entertaining, which is part of the reason why I started um, subscribing and listening because within that conversation, you're getting a glimpse into something that you normally wouldn't get from the wrestlers. You're learning about a, another aspect of their personality, which I find refreshing because these are real people at the end of the day. Right. right? So it's interesting that even what you just said now, where you, you're discovering that corgis, if you were to have your own dog, a, a corgi would be uh, your dog of choice. Why is that? Because they're so fluffy. <laughs> and really, it's not even just the fact that just because they're fluffy and they're very and they like to run and stuff. It's just their eyes. Like it's something about the corgi's eyes. It's like when they have joy in their heart, it's like it just reflects in their eyes and it's just so perfect to me. And they smile with those teeth and everything. It just gets you. Like it really just gets me. I just love their joy and how it just radiates from their soul and into their eyes. That's really what it is for me. I love that. Now, now are you one of those people that um, animals, and, and especially dogs, do they come up to you? Um, sometimes they do sometimes they don't because I try to be respectful you know of their owners because whenever I see dogs like that um, and they're walking them or stuff like that like I don't want to just walk up to them and then just start touching them because for all you know the owner might not be okay with it um, so whenever I'm out in public and I do and dogs do come up to me, I do try to be as friendly as possible and, you know, try to be respectful, you know, to the owner. And I ask them first, you know, and then when they give the okay, then I touch them and, you know, say hi and everything. So that's what I try to do. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a firsthand admission here. And I don't know if I've ever revealed this on the show before. This is almost six years. I've never revealed this deep, dark secret that I have. Okay. Animals follow me around. Oh, really? And I'm not and I'm not saying in a malicious way either. They they literally will follow me around. And especially, you know, cats, cats are interesting. Cats will follow me around and, and like a stray cat will see me and start walking very close to me. And if if other people are walking, this has happened so many times, it's kind of ridiculous. If other people are walking by, they will literally hiss at the people walking by like to stay away from me. So I don't know what that means, uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's kind of terrifying because it's like, well, what's going on here? You know what I mean? So I don't have any pets personally, but I feel like every time I walk out of the house, every animal is like part of my 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 family here because they just they're around. They just come up and they're not afraid. Squirrels and birds and you name it. They just will literally get close to me. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty interesting. Like, I feel like in another world, like if this was like a superhero world, like that would mean that you and animals would get along. It's like that reminds me of Encanto where they have this little boy who has named Antonio, who has the power to speak to animals. And they all sort of come up to him and, you know, follow him everywhere and he can talk to them and, and stuff like that. So maybe so maybe the animals in real life can sense that you have a good soul. Maybe that's what that means. You know something? I never thought about that. So is it is it possible that I am the real life Antonio? Wow. 
Maybe so. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> but maybe they just sense that you just have a good spirit and that maybe, you know, you would be good to them or for you would protect them or something like that. Well, that's important, you know, because I, I think that if I could find a way to channel um, my ability to to communicate with the animals then I can send them after people, especially in wrestling, who give me a hard time. Um, because you know I, I can't wrestle but maybe i could send the animals to take care of my business i mean I, is that being a good soul who knows but you know we, we could turn this into something stephanie i appreciate you being my my oracle and helping me understand my secret powers here yeah <laughs> <laughs> is this not the most ridiculous uh conversation you've ever had at this point i mean <laughs> no not really no it's it's not <laughs> You know, I, I'm one of those people, man. I just I like to um, I like to mix it up a little bit because I feel like, especially in podcasting, I feel like we we either go one or two ways. We're either way too serious, like way, way, way too serious, or we're so focused on questions that we prepared uh, beforehand, and and we got to get these questions in, and and we kind of we miss the the general conversation aspect of interaction i mean that's what people really are tuning in to listen to right mm -hmm. um you know people just learned a whole lot about stephanie hardy in, in in the past less than 10 minutes that maybe they never knew before especially as it relates to the corgis that's interesting yeah it is you know and, and that's not something i wrote down that's just something that's related to what you said your relationship with women's talk wrestling and me being a listener of that show and knowing how much they care about pets and things of that nature. It's like, all right, well, you know, Stephanie, what's your pet story? So it's just, talk to me about podcasting because you got a lot of experience with that. Do you find that um, people expect you to kind of operate within certain parameters? And, and if so, how do you get around that in order to maintain your own individuality? Well, I wouldn't say that people expect me, in a sense, to operate in certain parameters. In terms of podcasting, it's like I sort of expect myself to operate in some parameters. Like there's expectations sometimes that I place on myself that I feel like sometimes can be a little bit much um, because I always want to put forth the best episode possible. And I feel like anytime I fall short of that, I kind of like either, you know, feel sad or I kind of beat myself up a little bit for it. So I wouldn't say that people do that so much as I do it for myself. But I try to always, you know, just remember that I'm podcasting from a place of um, love um, because I love professional wrestling. And I'm also doing it because of um, being inspired by things that I see in wrestling every week or trends that I see on social media and stuff. And that it comes from a pure place of curiosity or a pure place of knowledge. So with that, I try to always, you know, be open-minded and open-ended, you know, to what would inspire me to talk about a certain thing or to title an episode a certain way or to address a thing in a certain way that, you know, maybe another person wouldn't per se. So that's really, you know, I don't really feel pressure from anyone else, but mostly just pressure from myself. But I try not to do that with myself and just, you know, go from a pure place of inspiration. You know, that's pretty cool. And and I appreciate uh, your response to that because we we all should remember, and, and even everyone listening right there, we all should remember that 
you can't hide who you really are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very difficult to be anyone but yourself for any extended period of time. And and when people continue to come back and see you, whether you're 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 tweeting online or whether you're out there in real life walking and talking or whether you're podcasting, whether you're on camera commentating on wrestling shows, eventually you're going to reveal who you really are. And it's it's always going to pop up. Can't be hidden. Just It's just there. So accept the fact that people accept you. Mm-hmm. If they keep coming back, there might be there's got to be a reason for that, right? Yeah, definitely. Like I was told this by Janelle from um, the HR um, at Jobber Tears podcast, who I love. Um, she told me um, like early last year that the right people will basically, you know, come to you if you're being if you're being yourself. As long as you be yourself, the right people will gravitate to that. So all I try to do is, you know, to just is to just be me and just let the cards fall where they may. I love that. I love that 100 percent. Shout out to uh, Janelle from HR. You know, she's part of the Job of Tears podcast. Janelle, you have an open invitation here on Duclos Wrestling as well. I, I've told Sir Wilkins this, but I know that um, he and I are beefing right now. He, we have a little difference of opinion on a few wrestling things, including Bret Hart. He thinks Bret Hart is better than Ric Flair, and that's just not true. So that <laughs> might be the reason why he's uh, he's stonewalling me on this here. But you know, Janelle from HR, I I, w- I would like to file a report against Sir Wilkins of Jobber Tears. I want to come to HR and talk about this. So please get in touch with me. Okay, uh, Stephanie, you've spent some time in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and. Kentucky is interesting because it is a hotbed for pro wrestling. And, you know, Alabama, where you're from, is not necessarily known as being a major pro wrestling town. I mean, you know, obviously you have promotions that tour around there, but it hasn't always been a destination like Kentucky is. Talk to me about the differences in terms of what you've seen in the different wrestling scenes comparing Kentucky to Alabama. Okay. So at my time in Kentucky is where I went to college um, at Berea college for five years. And basically when I was in school, I wasn't as abreast um, of the wrestling scene at that point, because of course, when you're in college, you're just focused on your life and studies and graduating and all that other stuff. Um, But in some of the conversations that I've had with certain wrestlers on my podcast, the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, Kentucky is definitely different in the sense that, you know, they have people who come to OVW, like Ohio Valley Wrestling, you know, and it's sort of famed, you know, training grounds for certain wrestlers like the likes of um, Beth Phoenix and the likes of John Cena and Batista and stuff like that. So they're more so known for being sort of like a pipeline straight to the top in that sense. And as far as that wrestling scene goes, I'm not as, you know, notified about them because like I said, I was in school and didn't really get into that scene. But as long as I've been in the scene of Alabama in comparison, um, we have a lot of different wrestling um, promotions in different parts of the state because Alabama is a pretty big state. Um, (laughs) So it's just like um, we have promotions that are starting 
in Huntsville, Alabama, I do know we have um, Spartan Pro Wrestling in Gadsden. Like I said, we have the Belladonna Division, which I work with. And then we have New South Pro Wrestling, which is in another part of Alabama that I'm not recalling right now. But we're sort of spread out across the state. Um, but I feel like a part of the reason why Alabama isn't mostly known about its wrestling doesn't necessarily have to do with the wrestling itself, but more so has to do with the fact that when it comes to Alabama, a lot of people sort of second guess us outside of the realm of football. Um, <laughs> and it's just the fact that that's just the truth. Like we're a very, you know, top tier football state. And then there's also, it's like there's football in Alabama and then there's everything else. And then we're sort of second guessed in that, um, in that, re- in that, perspective because of the fact that no one really looks at us for anything else because they're either looking down on us um because we're down south or because you know they think we're country or whatever or they kind of just don't pay attention to us period because we don't have cities that are the likes of New York or LA or Kentucky or in Tennessee or stuff like that which have wrestling histories but Birmingham which is where I'm from we have wrestling history that is pretty deep like we had continental wrestling which is where Shawn Michaels came back to when Um, There was a point in his career where he didn't know exactly where else to turn um, when he was first starting. You have Sensational Sherry, who was born here and raised here, um, and she would go to wrestling shows here and in Mississippi. And you have Teddy Long, you know, who was the famous SmackDown GM and a referee who was originally from here as well. And then, of course, you have me. So (laughs) wrestling in Alabama has isn't necessarily looked at as much because of, I believe, of just the the country, the U.S. as a whole, just sort of looking down on us. But we have a lot of history that is valid. So I feel like that's kind of the difference here. But we're looking to change that and turn that around and let you know that just because we're Alabama, you know, does not mean that you can overlook us. Like, we are just as popping as everybody else. So, yeah, it's turning around for the better. I, I love the fact that you said sensational Sherry, Teddy Long, and then there's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, Stephanie. I love that. I love that. That is what you should be saying. So, you know, you're you're doing commentary, you're doing podcasting, you are spreading the word about pro wrestling down there in Alabama and, and beyond. So damn right you should put your name on that list. I love that. That's that's awesome. Is is that is that natural for you to to what I like to call stepping into your leadership and, and stepping into your greatness? Because a lot of folks would be apprehensive about assigning their name to such a I mean, that's a Hall of Fame list right there that you that you started to rifle off there. So to to put yourself in the same sentence, that's a big deal. Um is that natural for you? Yes, it is, because it's just because it's like in life, you know, even when you're from Birmingham, it's like I said earlier, people have a tendency to try to underestimate you um, in comparison to other cities. And it's just, you know, I'm more than what meets the eye. And I want to let everyone know that I'm more than meets the eye. Because, of course, throughout my whole life, even being a wrestling fan, people look at you and are sort of surprised at that because if you see pictures of me or if you see me doing anything 
um, you wouldn't think that a girl who looks like me would be a wrestling fan. Like I am, I'm a, I'm a black woman who loves to read, you know, self-help books. And I love to watch stuff like Grey's Anatomy. And I grew up watching soap operas and stuff like that. But you wouldn't think that a girl like me who is so like, I've had people tell me that they wouldn't think that a girl who's as feminine as I am would be into something as wrestling or people or I've had a person who is a friend of mine tell me that they thought only, you know, a certain type of people would be into wrestling. Um, and I'm just like, no, like I'm into it. And it's just, I try to let people know that there is so much more to me than what you think or what you would, you know, automatically sort of peg me under. And, and I feel like that's a superpower. It's the fact, the fact that you don't expect me to be into it. And then once I tell you I am, and once I show you how much I know about this, you know, okay, you know, that's my superpower. I try to use that. And I try to step into that more and more um, as a podcaster, because, you know, it's just me doing it, you know, whereas a lot of people who have podcasts, you know, they have co-hosts and stuff like that. It's just me. So I almost have to stand on my own and stand on what I say in a strong sense and step into that leadership because I have to have that confidence whether I'm right or wrong. Um, because people will try to undermine you and people will try to make it seem like you don't know you know, what you know, or because you're a woman or because you're black or because of so many different preconceived notions. And once they see that you're standing strong in who you are and what you know, then there's nothing they can do. There's nothing that they can do to categorize you a certain way. Um, and if they do, then they're going to find out that they're wrong. So yeah, that's kind of, you know, the stance that I choose to take. Um, with that like you have to stand on what you know and who you know you are you know and whose you are so yeah that's pretty that's pretty much me I love it I love it Stephanie Hardy is out here knocking it out of the park folks uh, Alabama uh, born and bred you know spent some time in Kentucky but she's still coming back home and, and helping the wrestling scene down in Alabama thrive especially the women's wrestling scene which is pretty cool uh Stephanie, talk to me about your take on the state of women's wrestling in 2022, because, you know, I've been having ongoing conversations with various people, including the the mathematician Rob the Genius, who's a big wrestling fan, and, and he's taken some analysis of um, how women were, were featured on television over the past year. And, you know, some of the information that he received is that, well, that he analyzed, I should say, is pretty interesting i mean it's, it's clear that there is a lot of room for improvement with all of the major wrestling promotions in that regard and this is nothing new i mean going all the way back to analytical kate um the first couple of years here at duke loves wrestling she was analyzing wwe in particular and how they feature women's wrestling so it's a it's an ongoing discussion i love to have on this show what's your take stephanie i mean where is the state of women's wrestling on a, on a national scale in 2022? And, and what do you think we need to improve upon in order to make women's wrestling be as, as strong as it could possibly be? Well, something that I will say about the state of women's wrestling is that in 2022, even though it is early, because it just started, um, <laughs> is the fact that I am happy with 
where with how far we have come in the sense that there that you wake up um on any given day and if WWE or if any show announces that a women's match is in the main event of a show then it's normal like that's something that I am happy about because even last night on Rampage on AEW um, you had Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay for the TBS championship. That was the main event that um, last night. And that is something that I am happy about that. That's, you know, that's normal that if say on WWE of Bianca Belair and um, Liv Morgan were at the main event, that would be normal. And that's really cool to me. Um, and I'm happy that we've gotten that far, but um and then you also have places like the Belladonna Division, which I work with, and NWA um, that had Empower last year, which I was happy to be a participant in. And this, like, you have all female shows in the independence, and it's just beautiful in the sense that you're exposing an audience that would not necessarily go to a big show like AEW or WWE, um, seeing females, you know, at the forefront. And that's just a beautiful thing to me. But also, in a sense, there is always room for improvement. And with larger corporations like WWE, something that they have, and um, AEW, something that they do struggle with a lot of the time is having more women's action, you know, um, put out there in the sense that they're not giving it as much time as they normally would towards say like the women's revolution like when it was really strong and hot like they're not giving as much time to people who aren't in the four horse women category or in the um bianca belair category or the Liv morgan category it's like any woman that's not any one of those you know five or six women it's like they give them the shortest amount of time possible to do whatever it is that they give them to do and I feel like that's an improvement that needs to be made um, because those women are just as um, are just as critical to the women's wrestling machine as any of those other bigger stars are. So why aren't you giving them that amount of time to do what is possible for them to do? And also in terms of their storylines, there's so much more, you know, depth that could be given to their storylines as well and much more um, payoff in terms of that as well so there's always room for improvement in terms of time and storylines but as far as where women's wrestling is in 2022 it's much better than um I would say it once was where they were giving like a few seconds to do a match or something like that um but in the sense I don't want to look down on the divas era either because it seems like even with WWE they're actually giving more of you know more love to their divas era in a sense where you see some the likes of summer ray coming to participate in the royal rumble this year and then you have um natalia sort of going going a little bit back and forth with her on social media um and even on friday night smackdown and you have maurice and beth phoenix going back and forth for the royal rumble in their tag team matches you know with their husbands like they got into it with each other um during the divas era um, in the case of Maurice and Beth Phoenix. So you have to be able to give th those women that amount of credit um, because if it wasn't for them and the groundwork and the hard work that they did do, 
you know, at that era, you wouldn't have the evolution of what we have now. And then also with Impact and their knockouts division, it's like everything that they're doing is amazing. And it has been consistently amazing, you know, for years. So, and even with, you know, Deanna Parazzo now being a double champion again um, of Ring of Honor and of Reina Duranas with Lucha Libre AAA, like there's so much, you know, um, beauty in that. So women's wrestling is on an uprising um, era right now, but there's always so much more that can be done in terms of putting women in charge backstage. There's just always so much more that can be done with time and um, with storylines as well. But, you know, you can only go up from here. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I agree with you. I, I do feel that the um, the divas get a bad rap. I think that the beauty of pro wrestling is that there's something for everyone. And, and and I'll give you an example. Monday Night Raw, WWE Raw, whatever they, they officially call themselves these days, um, that's a three-hour show. And I don't know a single person in the history of life who says they watch Raw on a, on a, on a regular basis and they enjoy everything that they see during the three hours every week. That's not possible. It's just not a thing. What I like about Raw is that during those three hours, I will see something that I like. It may not be for the entire time, but there's something for everyone in there. And I respect and, and understand that the entire show may not be for me, but there are bits and pieces in there that I can enjoy enough to say, okay, this is fine. Um, I feel that way about the Divas, and, and not just in WWE, but in general, because I know that uh, Alex Porto, at pro wrestling 2.0 he he trains women's wrestlers and he legitimately trains divas to this day like that style of working safe of being uh, model-esque of using sex appeal and, and using very basic um storytelling in order to grab the attention of a certain segment of the of the fan base it sells and it does work and when it's incorporated into the overall recipe, it does have its place. So the, the notion that we can only have women's wrestlers or divas and it's either one or the other and that's it, you know, zero sum game after that. I, I just I don't agree with that. I think that there there should be a healthy mix of a little bit of everything the same way you'll have your little flippy dippy peanut butter skippy wrestlers in the men's division and then you'll have your actual get it done on the mat like an ftr where it's no flips just fists you know what i mean i think that mm -hmm. if you if you give me a little bit of, of of everything if you give me a smorgasbord uh then it's hard for me to really complain overall so i, I appreciate what you had to say about that as it as it relates to the divas because i agree 100 percent. yeah i yeah and i'm glad that you do agree because it's just there's just so much um back and forth in terms of where over what placement the women should be and what placement you know they shouldn't be in terms of what deserves to be given credit and what doesn't deserve to be given credit but honestly all of it does 
because all of it, you know, contributes in some way to the bigger picture, which is women, you know, at the forefront of wrestling. And we deserve to be there. 100%. 100%. Let me tell you something. I, I have a bodyguard. Um, you know, she's not my girlfriend. She's my bodyguard. She She's here to protect me because, you know, I, I'm a guy that talks a lot and people want to beat me up. So I got to have my muscle with me. But um, she was not a wrestling fan when we first started dating. Mm -hmm. What got her into it were two things. Number one, going to live events and seeing how the production is 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 made so seeing the camera work and and seeing the agents running around and then watching the reaction to what's happening in the ring and what have you so that aspect of it not the nuts and bolts of who had the best match of the night or anything like that but literally the spectacle of it all how the sausage is made that got her curious right mm -hmm. and then the thing that really hooked her was total divas Mm -hmm. So this reality show that that was able to give you a glimpse into the real personalities or, you know, as real as reality TV can be, uh, but the real personality of some of the character of some of the people behind the characters in pro wrestling. So the, the whole Bella Twins and John Cena and, and, and Brian Danielson, that whole thing there was interesting. The, the, the whole arc of, of Paige and some of the ups and downs that she went through. That was interesting. Natty Neidhart, you know, a person off the street may not understand why she means so much, but when you watch a show like Total Divas, and then you start to realize, well, wait a second, she's actually the, the, the cornerstone of women's wrestling in that company. You know what I mean? You're nobody until you wrestle Natty Neidhart, and, and she's able to help you understand how to be somebody in a wrestling ring over time consistently and not just because you, you're the best wrestler you're the best diva but how do you take all these different elements and put it together that's who natty Nightheart is in that company and this is a very important position so my point is though total divas that was like the the thing that put her over the top to where now she she's she can walk around in in wwe merchandise you know mm -hmm. what I mean? She can wear or feel the glow Naomi shirt because that's Naomi and she's cool. And so now she, from a cultural standpoint, she gets it, um, which I, I find very interesting. And it's why that I'm a big proponent of shows like that, because I don't care what it takes. Just help me continue to spread the gospel of pro wrestling and get more people interested, you know? Mm -hmm. So if it's if it's if it's a, a reality show, if it's a podcast, if it's an actual wrestling match and in live event, whatever, man, just just give me something that will appeal to to more people so that we can capture more people and keep this thing that folks like yourself and I actually love. Keep this thing alive, you know, so. So, yeah, again, the, the whole divas versus women's wrestler talk, that's just silly. Um, there's enough room for, for all of it and we need all of it in order to continue to thrive. So it, it works. So, so Steph in 2022, what are your goals? What do you, what do you expect to accomplish this year, especially as it relates to, to pro wrestling and all the different hats that you wear within it? Well, in 2022, um, I'm going to basically what my goal is, is to let more people is is let more people know about the Hardy Wrestling Podcast from a local standpoint, 
um, because I'm actually doing a fan table at um, at Comic-Con um, in February, which is taking place here in Birmingham. And basically sort of with that type of convention where it's primarily anime, it's like I'm going to basically help sort of bridge the gap between wrestling and anime. So and basically exposing more of the Hardy Wrestling podcast to people like that and maybe um, participating more in other conventions across the city um, and um, trying to work harder with the Belladonna division in terms of convention, well, not conventions, but in terms of um, um, commentary and, you know, going on tour with them. Um, I believe in April, we're going to go on, take, take it on the road and go to um, Illinois and just continue to try to do my best at women's wrestling talk as a host and also um, as a writer as well. And just dipping in to whatever else is in store, because the thing about wrestling that I'm learning is that you just never know what opportunities are ever are truly in store until you actually get there. And then the opportunity presents itself and then you realize you can't say no. So after that point, um, I'm just taking whatever wrestling opens up to me at this point because it's it's opened so many doors that I just never saw coming for me at all um, as a fan or as a person who started as a fan first. And since I've been podcasting, so many doors have opened up. So um, I'm just open to the possibilities of what it can give me. And if I can continue to work hard to be known on a mainstream level and possibly working with a major company and using my voice as an analyst or a commentator or a host or something like that, then I'm open to that as well. So just working hard and just, you know, perfecting my craft is something that I'm looking more forward to and just gaining more opportunity to just do that. Um is yeah that's basically what i'm looking forward to this year i love it i love it. why don't you let everybody know the best ways that they can check you out i mean plug away any any website social media where they can find the, the different podcasts where they can find uh the wrestling that you commentate for the whole nine yards okay well thank you um for that um first of all you can follow me stephanie hardy um on instagram and twitter at queen steph hardy that's s-t-e-p-h-h-a-r-d-y um like the hardy boys except we're not related in any way shape or form um <laughs> and you can follow my podcast the hardy wrestling podcast um on instagram and twitter at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and at Hardy Wrestle Pod. And you can listen to my show um, and women's wrestling talk anywhere you get your podcast. That's iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere you can find podcasts is where you can find my show and women's wrestling talk. Um, and you can follow the Belladonna Division on Instagram at Twitter and Twitter at um, Belladonna Diviz and um, Belladonna Division. And you could just check us out, you know, on Facebook as well and watch the Belladonna Division on Fight TV as well as Women's Wrestling Talk on Fight TV as well. So I have a lot going on, but you'll see it, you know, <laughs> when you do follow me on my um, litany of social media um, handles. But yeah, that's all. <laughs> you know, Stephanie Hardy, you're you're such a good person. I mean, that that's clear in the way that you communicate and, and what's coming out of your, 
your mouth, the, the, the quality of the content that you deliver. It's just, you're, you're cool. You're really cool. And I appreciate you joining us on Duke Loves Wrestling. Before I let you go, I got to ask you one last extremely important question, though. Mm-hmm. Because here's what you got to understand about me, Steph. Uh, uh, yes, Duke loves wrestling, but Duke loves food. Okay, I am, a, I am a foodie. There's no question about it. Not only do I like to make food, I am a professional eater of food. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very serious about this now. All right, here we go. Here we go. I, I touched down in Alabama. Mm-hmm. I am starving. Mm-hmm. Where am I going? What am I ordering? And why? Ooh. That's a lot of places. <laughs> now, come, on, come on now, Steph. We, we, we got to listen. We got to have uh, some kind of hierarchy here. There's got to be one place. If Stephanie Hardy could could only go one place to eat and she and, and she just she's just ordering one meal. What is. It? OK. Go to Gus's fried chicken. OK. Yes. Gus's fried chicken. They have so many amazing dishes um but they also have like really spicy chicken as well and then they also have probably some of the best potato salad i've ever had and also they have really good greens too so if you're definitely into eating fried food or fried chicken go to gus's fried chicken all right stuff we got to talk about this because a couple things number one I, i got family in mississippi okay a whole my father's side of the family they're they're from mississippi so you know, not too far from where you are. Um, I don't understand this whole thing about spicy food, but it missed me. I'm not a spicy food guy. Is it possible to have Gus's fried chicken holding the spice? Yes, it is. You can order it, you know, however way you want to. You can get it unspicy or spicy. Okay, but is this, is it as good without the spice? It is. Okay. All right. I want to make sure I'm clear on that because I don't do, you know, you know, I'm one of those people that when I have um, hot sauce, I have Frank's hot sauce. And, and I know you've had Frank's before. Um, the beauty of Frank's is that it's more tangy than spicy. It's not really spicy. You ever notice that? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, it is pretty tangy, but definitely if you're into like if you're into like hot sauce and stuff then that's fine but I don't eat it as much as I would you know any like normal fried chicken so yeah just got you just eat just just order however you want to you can do that at Gus's okay okay so I'm gonna go to Gus's I'm gonna order the fried chicken I'm gonna order the collard greens because I'm a big collard greens guy uh the more vinegar on my collard greens uh uh the best you know, I, I love to have vinegar on my collard greens, maybe a pinch of, of sugar, you know, a little hint of sweet in there when you finish it. Um, but I got a real problem with this potato salad nonsense you're talking. What? And, and this is this is this is where, you know, Stephanie Hardy, you know, she she's positive and she's loving. This is where you're probably going to have to, um, you know, pick up a, 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 a chair or or pick up the uh, timekeeper bell and knock me over the head with it because I'm totally about to just go off right now. Okay. I don't do the potato salad because of mayonnaise. Okay, Stephanie Hardy. Uh huh. I don't. I don't do that. Okay. I would delete, delete, delete 
the potato salad because of this mayonnaise. I actually wrote an article for BlackRabbit.com about mayonnaise being the absolute worst condiment ever. I can't stand mayonnaise. Okay, it is terrible. Have you ever seen the movie Undercover Brother? Yes, I love that movie. Okay, now, (laughs) do you understand what I'm saying now? (laughs) Oh, my God. So we, we don't do mayonnaise here. In fact, you know, my bodyguard, she she picked up a sandwich for me the other day and it had mayonnaise on it. And I just I felt so betrayed. I'm like, after all these years, you have the audacity to bring me a sandwich that has the worst condiment ever on it. I mean, are you trying to take me out? This is the question. Oh. So so Stephanie, I don't even touch Anything that says potato salad or chicken salad, I do not touch any salad that has any of the white stuff on it because I can't, I'm telling you, I can't do it. So, so what happens now is, does this mean you and I can no longer be friends? No, we can still be friends because I get it. Like, I get it. But when I first saw Undercover Brother, like, I was really young when I first saw that movie. And I have been eating mayonnaise, like, my whole life up until that point. Because my grandma would buy Hellman's mayonnaise and then my other grandma would get Bama mayonnaise or like Miracle Whip. That was that's what my mama uses. So it's just like the idea of anyone hating mayonnaise or specifically black people hating mayonnaise was something I had never heard of because every black person around me up until that point had eaten mayonnaise. So that was new to me. So I was like, what? And (laughs) so it's like, I love mayonnaise. Like I absolutely love mayo. Um, I put it on my sandwich. I love Miracle Whip. I put that on my sandwich. Like I feel like my sandwiches, even at Subway, like when I order ham or turkey, I must have mayo. Like, I love mayonnaise. But if other people don't like it, then I get it. But and potato salad is like down here, like potato salad and, you know, chicken salad. That's like a way of being, you know, down here. Like, it's good. Like, I just that's just what I was raised on. So yeah, mayonnaise is the truth to me. But if you don't like it, I totally get why you know i get it it's i respect it but i love mayonnaise <laughs> I, well first of all I, I think this is this is just the worst thing that's ever happened on this show i mean I, I stephanie hardy breaking news folks not only uh would she get a corgi if she had a choice of getting a dog so that's the positive news but you know with every reaction there's a a equal or opposite reaction and, and certainly this this is the opposite reaction because breaking news stephanie hardy loves mayonnaise which is just i'm we're gonna have to write a lot of think pieces about this folks so definitely stay tuned because this isn't the end of this but i do want to point out a, a, a very interesting fact here for this entire conversation stephanie you've been you've been delivering your your newscaster i don't know where she's from uh ambiguous accent you know what i mean it's just been straight laced and we don't know what's going on here as soon as i bring up mayonnaise the alabama comes out full force okay i mean she talked about my mama and all this other i said whoa who is this i'm talking to now so i i i can definitely see that you're not just making this up you really do love mayonnaise so much that the alabama will come out if anyone says anything negative about your mayonnaise but get this though, get this though. Um, it's so funny you mentioned my voice. It's like 
my voice has been a point of contention my whole life. Like even with the way that I was just talking to you, even in wrestling and stuff like that, like my whole life, people in Alabama haven't been able to tell exactly where I'm from because according to people down South, I don't sound like I'm from the South. But then when I talk to people like you who are from Boston and up North, it's like they can tell immediately. So it's just like, I, I be confused. Cause it's just like, I don't know like what exactly I give off or don't give off or whatever, but my voice has basically just been a point of contention my entire life. Like it's, it's just like, at one point I can sound like I'm really serious or at one point I could sound like I could be from somewhere else. But then at the other point I could sound like I'm really Alabama. So it's just like, or I could sound like I'm really like, or, or whatever, like maybe not from the streets as much as other people would be, but it's just weird. Like my voice is just, I've just accepted the fact that my voice is just an anomaly and that maybe it's just something that helps me stand out. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's just something that just helps me stand out at this point. Cause it's like, I think I get it a lot from my mom because she, when you, if you were to ever hear her speak, you wouldn't be able to tell that she was born in Alabama either because a lot of her life up until her teenage years, she was born in, uh, she was raised in Arizona. And then she came back to Alabama during her teen years. So it's just like, you know, when you're born, a lot of your voice is crafted a lot uh, around side what you hear most of the time. So I was always with her, you know, so it's just like, you know, her voice doesn't sound like it's from Alabama either. So we're just, so it's just, you know, that's just something that we're both used to. And I'm used to, you know, people have been saying that about me my whole life. So I'm, I'm used to it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we, we don't crack the, uh, the code here. I don't figure out how to bring out the Alabama and Stephanie Hardy. I, I, I revealed some of the secrets here, which means I better watch myself. I better make sure that I am not driving around Alabama um, alone, at least. I better have an escort because Stephanie Hardy might have to get me for revealing her biggest secret here. Okay, I got it. Hey, it's okay, though. It's okay. It's not a secret. It's it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Once again, Stephanie, listen, I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me on Duke Loves Wrestling. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Cool conversation there with Stephanie Hardy. She She is just a... A big bowl of cherries, so to speak, there. Really cool. Really cool. And uh, multifaceted. You know, I'm always interested in people that have something more going on than just what's on the surface. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. So, again, thank you for joining us, uh, Stephanie. Shout out to Sir Wilkins. He was able to uh, help me link up with Stephanie. Appreciate that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sipping on my Panera Bread coffee here you know i keep reminding you folks they got that great program head to your local panera bread uh they have a program where you can have unlimited coffee okay we're talking every two hours you can get a hot or iced coffee or a hot tea any size and you can put your favorite milk and and you know whatever type of sweetener that you want if you need any of that stuff there it's pretty cool it's pretty cool i'll tell you a funny story I was uh, taking my mom to an appointment, so we were going to doing a little bit of you know shopping, getting ready for the for the snow, so she'll be all right once that hits, because she's going to be basically in the house for at least a day. So I wanted to make sure she was in good shape there. So we were bouncing around, and I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of cold outside right now. My mom could use a hot drink, 
So we were down the street from Panera Bread, so I just popped in. You know, got to use the restroom, grab a couple drinks, and I used my membership, right, to get her, my mom, a hot tea. And she picked out something interesting. It was like an orange ginger mint tea. And she enjoyed it. So just like that. And, you know, later in the day, I was in a totally different neighborhood. And wouldn't you know it, there was another Panera Bread. So I grabbed myself a coffee. It's just, it's interesting. You know, if you're a person who's on the go like myself, you never know when you're going to need a beverage or when you just want to stop and maybe grab a, a sandwich or a salad or a cookie or whatever. But Panera Bread has you covered, man. So please check my folks out over there. That's right. Okay. Without further ado, my conversation with the one, the only, the man known as Kazi. I'm Kazi Toganus, uh, the lead actor, producer, writer of, of Standing Eight, a film about a professional boxer who's forced to retire after being diagnosed with lupus. Uh, also a key supporting actor in the thriller Shimmer. Well, Kazi, first and foremost, thank you for joining us here on Duke Loves Wrestling. Standing Eight is pretty heavy uh, subject matter there. So, you, so this is a movie about a boxer battling lupus. So, so I got to ask the the obvious question in the room: exactly what is lupus, Kazi? So, lupus is an autoimmune disease wherein the body's healthy organs and tissues are attacked by the immune system. So, it can affect any organ system. Uh, it can affect the skin uh, and it, it, it can uh, be deadly. Uh, on, unfortunately, on average, it takes about six years to get diagnosed. It's often referred to as the great imitator because uh, it, it'll show symptoms that can be, you know, uh, credited to other types of diseases. Uh, a lot of times, um, uh, early symptoms like they'll think you have carpal tunnel or arthritis. Um, but indeed, it's lupus affecting the joints, so it is difficult to diagnose. Um, there have been there have been some uh, new tests that have come out through uh, Exogen. There's it's like the one of a kind test that actually can test for lupus and how active it is in your system. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the medical profession aren't aware of the product quite yet, or they just don't know to test for it because despite the millions of people around the globe that do have lupus, there's still a, a real lack of awareness. Um, it's affected my family because my mother has been fighting lupus since before I was born. Uh, so I've had to witness firsthand the effects that it can have uh, and how it can kind of devastate uh, people's lives um, professionally, uh, physically, emotionally. Uh, it, it definitely takes its toll. It's a, it's, it's a tough disease. You know, I wonder about something, Kazi, because you said that um, your mom had been battling lupus since you know before you were born what you knew growing up was someone dealing with this sort of condition this disease here when did you realize that this was not quote-unquote normal um in a general sense here that this was you know your, your mother was part of a, a smaller portion of the population dealing with something like this so uh you know we're eastern europeans <laughs> they got this old school, don't let on that anything is wrong kind of a mentality. So my parents made this conscious decision to not let my mother's lupus affect my childhood. So she really 
didn't let on, um, you know, that there wasn't a day that went by that she wasn't in pain, right? She would just do whatever she had to do and she wouldn't complain. She would, you know, hospital visits, um, you know, chemotherapy, um, regular doctor's appointments, tests, all of this became a very normal thing to me in my life. And I never really thought anything of it. Seeing, seeing my mom at the doctor's just, it just felt normal. And I didn't really realize, you know, how sick my mother was until college, realistically, because I ended up writing a paper on lupus. And when I wrote that paper, it kind of opened up my mind uh, to realize all the symptoms that my mom was experiencing. I actually got into like the biology and the science as to what was happening in her body and why she was acting the way that she was acting and, and feeling the things that she was feeling. And it was kind of an eye opener for me at that point in time. That was like a big, big leap forward. And then the next big leap for me was really when I decided to make standing eight. And I talked to my mom specifically about her journey with lupus, because I was trying to make the screenplay ring true to her journey. And that was another eye opening moment, um, just kind of leveled up my understanding of, of what my mother was going through and how it it really did uh, throw a uh, throw a wrench into the gears of her life. I mean, I can't really. I mean, that's putting it mildly. Um, she had to give up her career. You know, she was she was on the road to getting her PhD. She's a mathematician. She had to quit teaching. Um, she tried to tutor, and then her energy level dropped to the point where she couldn't even do that anymore. Um, professionally, it just totally totally just threw her off track. And I know that was a hard thing for her to contend with. Um, and then of course, like the physical, right? Every, every day you're, you're waking up in some kind of pain. Something is, something is hurting. So, uh, it's been, it's, it's been, uh, really tough for her, but she made sure that it, it wasn't tough for me, especially when I was younger. So, so with standing eight, I mean, this is a movie about a boxer who is coping with uh, lupus. Why a boxing movie? Why, why did you, you choose a boxer to be the person, the main character to uh, tell this story with? Well, at, at the beginning, um, you know, I was in my I was in the midst of my acting career. I was auditioning quite a bit. Uh, I had auditioned for boxing roles. Uh, more than one occasion. Um, and I was just getting overlooked and it was, it was kind of frustrating me because I did have a boxing background. You know, I fought in the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania golden gloves and I had that boxing experience, uh, yet I wasn't getting cast. And I, I really felt like, you know, it, sometimes you just gotta validate yourself when it comes to your career. And I wanted to write a project that I would be able to play a boxer and, uh, you know, they say, write what you know, and my team and I kind of got together and we were throwing ideas around and uh, my co-producer was like, you know, what if we, what if we involve the, the lupus angle? And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, like, and, I'm, and we're thinking of how we could do that. And uh, he mentioned, well, what if, what if the boxer actually got lupus? So instead of telling it from like a secondhand storyline where he's, he's trying to take care of someone with lupus, he actually gets lupus, which ironically with, with men, um, lupus is men are the, the minority in the lupus community, right? Only about 10% of lupus patients are men. 
So it actually opened up the door to tell the story, not only about uh, loop, like bringing lupus in as a plot device, but actually speaking to the minority of the minority, if that makes sense. Um, and, and, and of course it, it, it checked off a couple of boxes for me as an actor, but it really was able to bring attention and shed some light on the journey that a lot of people with lupus have to have to deal with. And that's the fact that a lot of them end up losing their livelihoods because they just physically can't work. What is it like, uh, Kazi, to be an actor? And like you just said, I mean, you have a background in, in boxing and what have you. What is it like to take your own work, not somebody else's story, not somebody else's is creative, but to take your own creative and be able to bring it to life and be able to to have it shown on screen, something that people can check out, something that that, you know, these are thoughts in your in your brain that you just transferred into a real thing, so to speak. It's not just an idea anymore. What does that feel like for you? Creating your own content is is so I, I often equate, um, you know, acting to being uh, a brush or a color on a painter's palette. The director is the painter. So when you're being a creative, you're not really getting to indulge in the full creative process when you're acting in somebody else's project, right? Because you're functioning as the brush, you're functioning as the paint. Um, when you're the painter, you're telling your own story. And I think that the most, probably the most cre- the creatively satisfying thing I've done in my entire life is making this film. Uh, it, 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 it allowed me to, to develop the story and then uh, to, to interject my personal experiences, my mother's experiences. I mean, there's dialogue verbatim uh, in, in the film that comes from my, from my mother's experience and being able to intertwine that and then take a skill set that I had like through boxing and put it all together uh, really served as uh, just it was just a great experience. I mean, I learned a lot. It was probably like getting my, uh, my master's in filmmaking. Um, I, I don't regret anything with that film. Uh, multiple stages from pre-production to production, two different rounds of post-production. We had a festival cut of the movie, and then we went back and, and I re-edited the entire film uh, again for, for the release on, on Amazon. So I was able to revisit the same movie twice. Uh, and that in itself was such a learning experience. I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for, for actors, especially to really consider creating their own content because no one will be able to fulfill you like you can for yourself. You know, nobody can actually step into shoes or, or play roles that, you really feel passionate about the way and tell those stories that you really want to tell. If you're, if you're getting cast in a project, you're fulfilling somebody else's vision. And I encourage people to really think about how they can fulfill their own vision. Of course, it isn't easy. You know, there's a lot more to, you know, you got to raise the money, you got to put the people together, you got to produce, you know, you have to write. But at the end of the day, I would much rather be the painter than just the brush or a color on the palette. Well, I just think it's cool that you're able to take real aspects of your own life. You know, your background in boxing, um, your mother personally going through this this journey, fighting this this disease, lupus. 
the fact that you're able to take these things and, and put it together and then tell the story, um, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. And, and I commend you for that. Talk to me about Shimmer. What's what's this this new thriller here that's out? Shimmer. And, and what's your connection to it? So Shimmer is a, a an indie sci-fi thriller, uh, and it, it kind of flips the genre on its head, um, it, it, you know, it, in, in, in the horror kind of a sense. I, I kind of equate it to like a like it feels like an extended X, X-Files episode. It's basically about a, um, a creature that moves through light. So as opposed to all these horror films that you see taking place at nighttime and things happening, awful things happening at night, there's actually an entity that moves through daylight and is at its strongest point in bright light. So hence shimmer. Uh, I play detective Kurt Bloss. He's a, just a hard nosed, uh, um, thinks with his, thinks with his, uh, his pistol, not, not with his brain type of a guy, uh, trying to figure out, uh, why these people have been, uh, dying and, uh, really is is not at all open to the idea that it could be something other than a human that's been doing this killing just wild wild so are you a, are you generally a sci-fi guy i mean or or is this kind of outside of the realm of what you would normally be involved with to be honest i really enjoy all genres of film i like i i grew up on on predator and aliens and terminator and robocop I love those those types of sci-fi, you know, actioners. But you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for Blade Runner. But you know, if you you go into, I mean, I, I I as an actor have always felt like I've wanted to touch and get into every genre. I don't want to just be stuck doing the same types of projects over and over again. So when when I got that script, when the producer reached out to me and said, "Hey, I think I have something you might be really good in." Uh, and she sent over the script to me. This was Freya Saxon, by the way. She she was one of the producers on Shimmer. Um, I know her from film school back in uh, at the New York Film Academy. But she had always kept me in mind because she got into producing. And then when she got a project, she circled back to me, you know, 10 years later. And when she sent me the script, I, I read it and I was like, oh, this is great. It's, it's, this is this like a, a different uh, take on sci-fi. It's a, a different idea. Um, the character was a lot of fun, so it didn't it didn't take much convincing for me to 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 lay down a tape and, and audition for them. Well, that's that's great. I mean, it's it's clear that um, you got a couple of irons in the fire, so to speak, which is always cool. I I really really appreciate the fact that you're not limiting yourself. So you're you know you, we're doing boxing, we're doing sci-fi. You could do it all, so to speak, here, man, which is pretty cool. Um, I do wonder about something, <laughs> and and. I've always wanted to talk to somebody who has a background and and but is able to look at it with fresh eyes because you're not a professional boxer, uh, but you did do it, you know, in the amateur ranks or what have you. What's your take on where we're at today with folks like Jake Paul doing these more uh, celebrity style fights, um, these big fights? to a certain degree because he is getting some well-known names in the ring and people from MMA and boxing would have you to, to do these sort of things. What's your general take on where boxing is today from that standpoint? You know, when the pandemic hit, it was hard to put matches together, you know, um, couldn't get a crowd. I think initially what they offered was a bit of a spectacle. And I, I did watch the first, I think it was one of the first Jake Paul pandemic fights and, 
I thought it was fun. You know, it was like a concert. It was kind of like entertaining to watch. Um, the, the, the problem with it is, is that it's, uh, I, well, I think boxing has kind of been its own worst enemy, right? How, you know, it's not like when you want to watch professional basketball, you watch the NBA. When you want to watch professional football, you watch the NFL. You want to, you know, you, you want to watch hockey, watch NHL, right? Where, what, what are the governing bodies of boxing, right? Uh, UFC, you want to watch, you want to watch mixed martial arts. What do you got? UFC, PFL, you know, a couple of, couple of different, uh, angles that you can, that you can catch. But with boxing, you have, it's just where, who, you know, how many belts are there, what's going, you know, and it's been like this for years. And then they've also made it very expensive to watch fights that are big. You know, they're no longer broadcast as much, you know, I think NBC brought back boxing for a little bit. Right. But it's, it's it's left the door open for guys like Jake Paul to come in and and make money and have he has a huge following and if if uh, former MMA fighters want to get in with the ring with them and with him and and get paid that's their prerogative do I think it's good for the sport um, you know I mean it, if, it, if for connoisseurs it probably feels like a bit of a mockery but if you're a Jake Paul fan it's probably like the best thing you've ever seen so it's like a, you know is it drawing attention to the sport it is is it the type of attention that a connoisseur or, or someone that really respects the art of boxing and and you know loves boxing and in its truest and purest form no probably not this has become a lot it's become a big spectacle a bit of a circus so you know but it's going to continue as long as people make money so that's that's kind of how it works right is like as long as people are making money they'll keep putting on the shows but once that interest fades when the spectacle kind of disappears almost like a you know, it's like once the song is overplayed, it kind of makes its rounds and then it's it. So will this be around forever? I doubt it. Um, but as long as it remains popular and people are willing to spend $100 to watch Jake Paul uh, fight somebody, um, that, you know, will will he fight uh, an actual professional boxer? Uh, you know, I thought I thought it was going to happen with Fury. I'd, I'd like to see that happen. Um I'd like to, you know, instead of picking on guys who are clearly smaller than him, you know, fighting someone his own size, that would be nice to see um, just from like a fight, like a fighting standpoint. Let me tell you something, Jake Paul, if you ever stepped in the ring with the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, whew, everybody would watch that fight. That would be a big payday, but I'm pretty sure um, you'll have to take the next, you know, six months off from, from healing, from getting your face punched in, because <laughs> if this one thing we know about Tyson Fury is that he's pound for pound the best boxer alive today. There's, there's no no question about that, especially after what he's done with the Bronze Bomber. Um, I think it's safe to say Tyson Fury, he could beat anybody at this point, right? Oh, yeah. he's um, I mean, for a, he's a big man, and his movement for a, a big man is uh, – is incredible. I mean, his skill set. I mean, he's not, you know, this is not like Valuev stumbling around the ring. This man has head movement, you know, he's, he's, he's got footwork. He's, he's fast. He has great punch placement. I mean, he's just, he's a boxer. I mean, he is, he is a boxer. He is, uh, you know, especially for his side. I mean, he is an artist. So I, I really enjoy, um, what he brings to the game. I like that he has a, a, a personality, um, and he, he does some weird things. Um, but 
that's what makes for a superstar, right? Like people want to, you know, they want to be, I mean, they're watching boxing because they want to be entertained. And I think he brings an extra layer, just unexpected, you know, singing songs after he wins fights. I mean, the, the guy's an entertainer through and through. So um, I, I admit I do like watching the Gypsy King fight. Um, and I, I look forward, I don't know, I don't know who he's supposed to face off against next, but it's probably not going to go well for them, whoever they are. Yeah, you know, uh, Anthony Joshua, stay away. That's all I can say to you, pal. Stay away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to end well. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, Kazi, you're you're a good. It's dude, been man. you know, you it, know it almost good. for a little bit. Oh no! Please finish I mean, your point. I, finish your point. I, I'm sorry. I no, no, no. I was I was just going to say, you know, like the heavy heavyweight um, division kind of almost felt like the 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 80s for a second you know like you know guys it was like you 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 got joshua gets knocked out and then you know like well what did he 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 took out klitschko then you know you think he's going to be the king and then he ends up getting laid out and then you know it's just been like this 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 kind of wild and crazy heavyweight division and then uh you know tyson fury decided to 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 pull it back together and and, and get his life back on track and and the guy's like you know He's he's following in the footsteps of another Tyson now. You know, it's 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 really it's been interesting in the heavyweight division. And I felt like you know Klitschko's the Klitschko brothers were were running things for so long. It it almost I don't want to say it was boring. I respected what they did. They were good at what they did. They were very they're tacticians. They they weren't necessarily the most exciting. They didn't take a lot of risks. They just jab you to death until your face turned into pizza, and then they unleash like a hook or a, a right hand and end the fight. But um, so I respect what they did. You know, I respect the Klitschko's a lot. They, they, they were, they did what they did. But, um, you know, bringing action back to the heavyweight division, it's been, it's been an interesting few years, I think. For sure, for sure, Kazi. Why don't you let everybody know the best way that they can check out, um, you know, not only Standing Eight but also Shimmer. Where, where can folks check these two projects out and and get some good movie watching in their life? <laughs> sure uh standing eight is now available free to prime users so if you're on amazon prime you can check out standing eight uh it's like standing eight completely spelled out it's 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 a short so it's 27 27 minute runtime so it won't take up a lot of your time but i think you'll be entertained just telling a, a different angle of a, of a of a fighter story dealing with this disease and getting heckled by his his former would-be opponent and having to contend with um, letting his professional life go, you know, physically, even though mentally he wants to continue. Uh, so that's living on Amazon Prime. And then Shimmer is, um, I think, available at Walmart, Amazon. Uh, yeah, so you can actually get it on DVD if you're like a DVD person. Um, I think uh, a few a few different streaming platforms, but primarily they're, they're using it. Amazon and uh, video on demand and Walmart. That's pretty cool. And what about yourself just on a personal level, Kazi? If, if folks want to keep up with whatever you got going on, especially any future projects, what's the best way that they can keep an eye on you? Uh, so probably I, I haven't been on social media so much. Um, just been busy. But uh, I usually check in on my, my Instagram, which is at Kazi Toganus, you just spell it out, K-A-Z-Y-T-A-U-G-I-N-A-S. Uh, and that's that's where you can follow me on Insta. 
and then I'm official Kazi Toganus uh, uh, for my Facebook uh, Facebook fan page. Good stuff. I, I love the way you said that too. Just spell it out. It's like who the heck knows how to spell Toganus if you've never seen it before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that would that would have been a challenge no for one, me. So no I one knows how to spell. Yeah, right. You you would have got you would have stumped me on that one, brother. But I love it. That's a, it's a cool name. Um, <laughs> a lot of culture behind the name and what have you. You said Eastern European. Where specifically uh, is is your family from? Uh, my my family is Lithuanian. Lithuanian or Lithuanian. So um, my uh, family history is pretty, pretty wild. My um, grandparents all escaped Lithuania when the Soviets invaded. Um, they uh, ended up being refugees across Europe um, run, uh, and ended up uh, my, my one set of grandparents ended up meeting in Italy and getting married in Italy. And then uh, made their way to uh, South America and lived in South America. And then from South America came to the United States uh, in Chicago. And then on the other side, they ended up um, living in, in Germany uh, while it was being reconstructed after the war and then made their way uh, to America as well. So I, I come from a immigrant grandparents and uh, a very crazy history of what was happening in Europe at that time. So I got a native Lithuanian name, right? So I, I rock it with pride. I love it. I love that. And I love the fact that you know your history. Um, it just continues to to show that you, you're a good dude, man. I mean, you, you know, with, with standing eight, using your personal experiences in life and, and the experience of your mom and, and weaving that into your project, it's just, it's good stuff. It's good stuff, man. You're, you're a good dude, Kazi, and I appreciate you joining us on Duke loves wrestling. Before I let you go, do you have any any final words, especially for any actors out there that are dealing with this crazy time right now? So I would I would tell my acting brethren, uh, it's a, it's kind of a twofold process. Number one, do what you have to do to survive. That means that if you have to take a day job, if you have to do something because you're not booking work, there's nothing wrong with that. We've all done it, uh, and we will continue to do it. You're an artist, so. Don't worry about that. That doesn't define who you are. You're still an artist. Number two, strongly consider developing your own content. And when I say consider, really, I'm saying develop your own content. Don't consider it. Take as much control of your career as you possibly can. And if that means that you have to write something or find someone to write something for you and produce it, get it done, it'll be the most satisfying thing you have ever done in your entire life. So um, I would strongly encourage to utilize whatever resource you have to tell the story that means the most to you and do everything that you can to fight for yourself because no one will fight for you as hard as you do. Good stuff there from Kazi. Great, great guy. And, and definitely I expect everyone listening right now, head over to Amazon or, or wherever else. I want you to check out Standing 8. I want you to check out uh, the other fantastic movie that Kazi's actually in, Shimmer. In fact, I think I'm going to have the director of Shimmer uh, on the show next week because I really enjoy that that movie there. It's interesting. You know, this thriller, this this almost like a a different take on an X-Files sort of thing here. It's, it's really, really cool. So stay tuned for that next week. Uh, once again, thank you to Stephanie Hardy. Everybody out there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Duke Loves Wrestling. Uh, you can shoot me an email, DukeLovesWrestling at gmail.com. 
Let me know what you think. If you are out there, and, and I don't care what walk of life you're in, if you're an interesting person, if you're a person who can carry a decent conversation, <laughs> then uh, you're welcome to come on the show as well. You know, I, I, I like to interview different kind of people, and certainly through the years I've done that. This is a, a pro wrestling and combat sports podcast primarily, but, you know, I mix it up. I love to have people from entertainment and journalism and science. You know, I've had astrobiologists on the show. I've had uh, Hall of Fame journalists and Emmy Award winning journalists on the show. Jesus, you know, listen, if you're interesting, you're welcome. So just hit me up and let's get this done. Also, anyone listening right now on your favorite podcast apps, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, shoot me a five star rating. Okay, you know how I do, man. I'm always going to deliver the great content, always going to deliver some great guests. So hook your boy up. Give me a five star rating. Appreciate that. Okay, till next time, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>